This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of I Want to Matter. Your life is too short and too precious to waste. Written and narrated by New York Times bestseller Kathy Lee Gifford. Available now everywhere you get audiobooks. This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher from PreachingToday.com, and I'm here with my co-host, Kevin Miller. Kevin, it's great to have you here today. Hey, Matt. Thanks a lot. It's great to be back. I got to say, getting the band back together. It is. Yeah, we just posted one of our podcasts on uh, the topic of say what you need to say and no more. Can you guess how long that podcast was? I sure hope it wasn't long. <laughs> it was, we said what we needed to say, and we got it done in 13 minutes. Wow. That's unbelievable. That is impressive. It could have been know. Like 27 minutes or an hour 27, uh, obviating loquaciousness and garrulousness <laughs> in the homiletical event. <laughs> no, we didn't do that. We said what we needed to say and no more. So we practice what we preach here yeah. at PreachingToday.com. So, uh, Kevin, as a co-host, you get to pick some t- the topics sometimes, you know, and you, you picked a doozy for us this episode. Yeah, me getting to pick the topic is like kids making, uh, you know, breakfast for mom on Mother's Day, you know. It's, <laughs> it's rare and messy. Oh, oh come <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, come on. You, you picked a good one, and this is an excellent one. Yeah, well, it is. I've wanted to talk about something with you, Matt, that I think all of us preachers feel And yet, I don't hear preachers really talking about very much, and and I want to try to talk about it today, which is namely spiritual warfare in preaching. Yeah, I mentioned to you, I've been to a lot of preaching conferences. I've never heard a workshop on this topic, so. Well, I can understand, you know, it's it's mysterious, and, um, you know, but the the New Testament writers talk about it a lot. I mean... uh, virtually everyone will say, you know, something like Paul will say, stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. Or Peter says, watch out for attacks of the devil. Or James says, resist the devil. So, you know, the New Testament writers had a very acute sense of the reality of, of evil and of our need to be kind of aware and, and uh, protecting ourselves against it. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think our brothers and sisters, especially in the majority world, in the developing world, as some people call it, they're acutely aware of this, much more in tune with it than most of us are as preachers. They live in that world. And, well, and we live in that world, too. I just don't think we necessarily uh, are as aware. But today, what I want to get into is what does spiritual warfare feel like to the working preacher? You know, okay. what are some of the sort of signs and symptoms so that we might more readily recognize what's going on. That's question one. What does it feel like? And the second question is then, of course, how do we overcome it and, and continue this uh, preaching work that God has entrusted to us? Yeah, that's great. You know, um, well, we have a mutual story about this. It's really in my life. Uh, so I was out of pastoral ministry for four years. I did not think I was going to go back into pastoral ministry. I didn't plan on it. And uh, you know that story well, because you and your wife, Karen, walked with me through that that experience. So I never thought I'd be preaching again. And then the first sermon I preached, sort of coming out of retirement, after that sermon, I experienced profound spiritual attack. Voices in my head and in my heart. What do you think you're doing up there? 
who are you trying to fool? You need to be out of this. You, you, what you said was absolutely stupid. It was worthless. I mean, it was, it was horrible. Mm. And I remember you, you anointed me with oil and you laid hands on me and prayed for me. And, um, I'd been struggling with that for like three or four days post sermon. And the Lord really set me free. I, I, I'm not saying the Lord works this way all the time, but he sent me, he sent me free instantaneously after that prayer. And it set me on a path of, no, I am, I am called to preach and, and I need to get back into this. So anyway, that was just an example of spiritual warfare and what to do about it. So I'm, I'm with you here. Ah. Man, that's an amazing story, and I'm so thankful uh, that you have continued on. What an amazing preaching ministry you've had in kind of the second half of your uh, preaching work. And uh, it seems to me, as I, I, since I heard you in both halves of your preaching game, the second half has been your best. I mean, it's just been <laughs> really, really rich, and the themes have been even deeper. And uh, so, wow, I'm so thankful you're preaching. Yeah, but I had to get over that spiritual attack and bondage. So, Kevin, what is it? What, what do you mean it, when you ask the question? What does it feel like? What do you unpack that for us? What does it feel like for well, you? Well, for to us, me, think? I think you know what you just described is very characteristic. It's accusatory. It's negative. It's self-focused. It's self-recriminating. Mm. To me, it feels like smog or resistance mm. or confusion. One image that I really like is uh, in the uh, Narnia Chronicles. Um, if you remember in the silver chair, yeah. you know, the, the, the evil antagonist in that book is, is sometimes called the green lady or the emerald. Yeah. Book. And, and, you know, and she spins this kind of smog of lies mm. and deception. And finally, Puddleglum mm. has to stamp out the fire of her lies so he can think clearly. And, and, and I think that's, how I feel like just, for example, before the sermon, I may feel an acute and, and often irrational sense of, I can't do this. I have nothing. Mm. Or this is so basic. This is just going to come across as trite. And part of that is my ego. I wanted to come across saying something fresh and interesting, original and somewhat wowing of uh, mm. people. So part of it is my own ego, but part of it is, is different and other than that. Or after the sermon, kind of like what you had, I call it a visit from the post-sermon poltergeist. That's great. You know, I, maybe nobody said anything, and I'm interpreting the silence as a negative referendum on me and my lack of preaching abilities. Or I second-guess myself. I like, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? That probably hurt that person over there, and they thought I was aiming at them. Or why were my illustrations so run on? I just can't tell a simple, clear story if my life depends on it. Or, you know, or sometimes it'll be about my spiritual lack of qualifications. Like, I'll think, man, mm. I, have, I have doubts about the faith. Like, who am I to be preaching to others, you know? And, and so all of those things, uh, to me, are, are, are what it feels like and what may be like uh, what, what's common in spiritual warfare. Yeah. Well, so whatever Satan can do to undermine, subvert, discourage, uh, throw the preacher and the preaching of God's word into disarray. He would be for that. I think even sometimes, Kevin, sometimes when we preach really good sermons, like when we feel like we nail it and people like give us a lot of praise, we, 
I think Satan can use that to say, you know, you really are pretty amazing. You are amazing. You know, you're entitled to some special perks even because you're so smooth with the word of God, you know? So, um, I mean, this comes in a lot of different directions. So uh, where have you felt this the most in your ministry? Give us some uh, concrete examples when you've felt like there was a real genuine spiritual demonic attack against your preaching. Well, one I remember vividly was uh, it was following a Christmas Eve sermon. Uh, you know, Christmas Eve was and is probably our best uh, moment for visitors and guests to be there and for the partly Christian, barely Christian, not yet Christian person to still attend. And and so I was very conscious of that preparing the message and I, I made it explicitly evangelistic and I I made the gospel message as clear and as winsome as I mm. could and and I told strong stories and I kept it short and later I had this crushing feeling like that went nowhere I didn't just feel a sense of self-doubt or not it wasn't even self-criticism it was like self-loathing and, and what, I, what was going on in me was I was like, I don't ever want to preach an evangelistic message again because I'm just such a colossal failure at this. And what finally broke the, the spell or what was like puddle glum stamping out the fire was yeah. when I got an email from a guy at the church like three days later and he, his teenage daughter had brought an unchurched friend with her to the Christmas Eve service and, and, and this dad was telling me, you know what? I wish you could have been in the van because we talked about your sermon the whole way home. Wow. And my daughter's friend was really, you know, processing it and all. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Like the gospel yeah. was going forward. But I think because the gospel was going forward in a very clear and evangelistic way, I think Satan was all the more opposed to it. Yeah. Wow. That's a really powerful story. I think I remember that sermon, don't I? W weren't you? We were at the same church then, right? I, well, it, it was the one where I talked about the riptide, if you remember oh, that. Sermon. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. And I didn't, I don't think I knew about that email you got. That's amazing. Wow. And so God was at work and you're feeling like, oh man, it just was, nothing's happening here. And you felt condemned. How about you? You mentioned that time, of course, when you were re-entering yeah. Ministry of Gospel Preaching. And of course, there would be great opposition to try to stop yeah. them. But are there other moments that tend to be difficult? Yeah, I think it's just the feeling that, um, you know, preaching so hidden. The work of preaching is often so hidden. You can't see people transformed right before your eyes, usually. So then there's a tendency to start thinking, Put, spinning my own narrative on that. Nothing's going on here. Nothing's happening. I'm not doing it right. I'm not. I'm not reaching people right to get to lose faith in the hidden work of the Holy Spirit. You know, I think Satan tries to undermine that pretty much almost every time after I preach. So, which is why I just really need to ground myself in prayer Monday after I preach. But that's getting a little ahead of ourselves because we're going to talk about, so how do we overcome spiritual warfare? And I know you've done some thinking about that. So, so what would you say to us as preachers about how do we, we feel this, we know this, we can relate to this. Now, what do we do about it? Well, I, yeah, I'm eager to jump into that. I just want to first say you're sure. not the first preacher who's wanted to quit, you know. Yeah, on Monday morning. 
And no, I was reading about Martin Luther, in fact, you know, of course, he's, you know, widely accepted as one of the greatest preachers in the history of Christianity. And yet, he felt like his, despite all of his preaching, his people were still godless. And he said, quote, it, it annoys me to keep preaching to you, unquote. And so in 1530, he actually went on strike. Yeah. He refused to preach for a while. Uh, and, and and Luther, no doubt, suffered from some depression, especially later in life. But yeah, because um, he had a lot of uh, physical maladies that couldn't be treated well then. But uh, nonetheless, I feel like that was clearly an example of spiritual warfare, where not only do you feel it's doing no good and you're wasting your life, but you, I also feel kind of a self pity. Like nobody can appreciate just how hard I'm working it, and um, so I can feel that and want to quit. We are not recommending this, preachers. Do not go on a sermonic <laughs> strike. But just because Luther did it, the Apostle Paul didn't do it. So, <laughs> yeah, he, he said, "Woe to me if I don't preach." Right, it. exactly. Yeah, which is the uh, which is the gospel response. Well, I, I've got a few ideas for overcoming spiritual warfare, and I'd love to hear yours, Matt. The first thing you already touched on, which is there is a, a, a physical, emotional, and mm. spiritual depletion that comes from the work of preaching that makes you more vulnerable to the, the attacks of the evil one. Mm. So if you can address the depletion, you've gone a long way toward uh, protecting your, your soul. So, for example, you know, following a sermon, I know my adrenaline has been depleted. It has dropped way off because I pumped mm. a lot of adrenaline to preach that message. Sure. Um, I, I don't. I don't feel this acutely every time, but uh, frequently, a, a spiritual depletion. Mm. You know, you see that in the life of Elijah, where he he absolutely crushes the prophets of Baal up on right. Mount Carmel. It's his greatest moment in many ways, and then, like shortly thereafter, he just wants to die, right? Um, because he's so spiritually depleted. Um, it, you know, Jesus talks one time where it says he sensed that power had gone out of him. Mm. And man, I remember one time I was preaching at a healing conference and I was confronting a lot of the I idols of the human heart. Mm. And I'm telling you, when I got done that message where I'd been very distinctly challenging and trying to bring down those sort of Dagon idols in our heart, I'm telling you, I felt spiritually wobbly. Man. Yes. I was just like depleted. Yeah, I can I can totally relate to that. You know, that's why Mondays I don't I don't take Mondays off. I but I I take Monday morning till I don't have usually don't try to have any meetings till noon or respond to emails. I'm just gonna be present to the Lord, go for a walk, pray. Yeah, so just to get back on track with the Lord, you know. So um, yeah, what else? What else would you say, Kevin? I know you guys. No, that's a great. That's a great example. Well, the second thing I would say is try to turn our attention from either how awesome I am or how worthless I am mm, mm. to how awesome Christ is. Beautiful. Um, you know, Satan really wants us to focus on my needs, my need for more attention, my need for more whatever, and and so one of the the things that really defeats that is praise. I think that's mm. why in the Old Testament, that, that one time they put the singers out in front of the, the yeah. army. Because right. they're like, you know, we're going to win this thing, not by our own strength. We're going to win it with praise. And, and in praise, you start to realize, oh, God, you are good. Oh, God, it was your only your mercy that called me into this preaching ministry. Oh, God, you have enabled me with all that I need. 
And, and all of a sudden, the dissatisfaction I was feeling because I work so hard and nobody appreciates it, or that sermon didn't yeah. work well, or I'm a worthless person, all of a sudden the dissatisfaction starts dropping away and I start to find satisfaction again in Christ. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, there's, no, there's no shortcut to just finding satisfaction in Christ. That's so good, Kevin. That just makes me think as, as pastors, as preachers, we have to first be worshipers before mm. we're exegetes yeah. or homileticians, you know, we have to first be a worshiper. That is our first priority. So when we show up Sunday morning, that's really our first posture is to be a worshiper, not, not an amazing preacher, you know, so that that's down the list. Um, yeah, you know, and, and some of the great preachers uh, have that quality in them, don't they? I mean, like I think mm. of W. Tozier, Sermons, I mean, from a, from a sort of homiletic society standpoint, they wouldn't yeah. always, you know, pass muster. But you can tell this guy's been on his knees till his pants got worn out at the knee. I mean, this, and it's just filled with the, the holy, awesome power of God. Yeah. Martin Lloyd-Jones had that quality in his preaching. John Henry Newman had that quality in his preaching. And so I think you're really right. Yeah, Spurgeon as well. But yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that helps me also get out of that as I'm praising and trying to turn my focus to Christ is I'm always wondering, like, how'd it go? Was the sermon any good? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I feel like I, uh, God gave me this tremendous image once of it's like running a, a, a medley race in track where you, you, you know, you have like four runners passing the baton from one uh, to the other. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I'm the third runner in the race when I preach the sermon. That's the mm-hmm. third lap. Well, God's got the anchor lap. Oh, I love that. And so even if I choked and came in way behind my guy on the third lap, it really yeah. doesn't matter because we've got an amazing anchor runner. <laughs> <laughs> that win. is so good. <laughs> so just, I, get done, I get done with my sermon and it's kind of like I'm holding up the, the baton. Okay, Jesus, take it. Take it from here. Yeah, totally. Because it's all going to depend now on what the Holy Spirit does in the lives of those hearers. You know? Oh, I, mean, I love that image. Man, I'm going <laughs> to think about that every week. That's uh, great. Been a good one for me, a lifesaver. Yeah. Anything else, Kevin, you think of in terms uh, of like- I, I think the last thing is that, you know, spiritual warfare is the battle between following what God wants for my life and what mm. Satan wants for my life. You see it mm. like when Peter says, Jesus, you should not be suffering. Somebody as awesome as you. Yeah. I don't know why you'd be talking about like crucifixions. That's horrible. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan, because God's plan for the the life earthly ministry of his mm. son is to go to the cross. And so I think, you know, when I'm feeling self-pity, when I'm wanting to quit, when I'm wanting to pull away from people, when I'm feeling trapped, when I'm, I'm feeling unappreciated and frustrated, I have that yeah. impulse to flee. I have that impulse to fight for my rights or whatever it is. All of that, I think, is a clear warning sign of spiritual warfare as James says, if you harbor, harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, that's not wisdom from above. So it's at that moment that the, the, when I surrender to the plan of God for my life again and again, knowing that it is difficult and will involve for me some measure of the cross, mm-hmm. um, then the, the warfare is, is broken, the attack is broken off. Yeah, right. 
Kevin, this is all just so good and so necessary. And again, as as you when you started the podcast, we you know we both said this is something we just don't talk a lot about a lot as preachers. You know, Satan would just love to undermine the declaration of the good news of the gospel because um, he hates it. He absolutely despises it. So if you're a preacher, you can expect this. You know, any last words of advice? For preachers out there, as you, because I know you've been at this a long time. Any last words to the preacher to preachers for us? Well, I guess just one final word is that the New Testament seems to have an attitude that says, "Be aware, but don't be afraid." Oh, I love that. Yeah. Christ is much greater than all the powers of darkness, which are real and will attack. But prayer defeats them. Yeah. And as you t- said in that opening story, Matt, which I'd kind of forgotten, actually, yeah. <laughs> just how yeah. profound that was. I remembered it, but I didn't yeah. remember all the detail around it. Prayer uh, is, is our sure defense. And asking others to pray for us as well, that we don't have to do this alone. I, that's a great way to end, Kevin. And so I'm thinking about 1 Peter 5, where he talks about the devils like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But it says, resist and firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. I love that. You're not alone in this. You're not, you're not just standing on your, by yourself before the Lord and before these spiritual attacks. So we're in this together. So grab a friend, get somebody to pray for you, with you. So preachers, we have, I love that word, Kevin. That's just so encouraging. Great hope in what the Lord can do through you in the power of the Holy Spirit in spite of spiritual attacks. So Matt Woodley with PreachingToday.com and my excellent co-host, Kevin Miller. Hope you can join us for our next episode. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.